Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Andy, and thanks for tuning in. Today we're actually going to be talking about sex work in Star Trek. We're very excited. It's a very deep and interesting topic. Before we get into that, we do have a little bit of housekeeping. Our show is entirely supported by patrons on Patreon, so if you are interested in giving us money, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and get awesome rewards. We do thanks on social media. We do watch-along commentaries. You get Sometimes you get a sneak peek on things before we air them. Cool stuff. So if you're interested in that, we're at patreon.com slash women at warp. You can also support us by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get our podcasts. And just a heads up that we are now on Spotify. So if Spotify is your podcast listening of choice, we are there now. Woo! So today I am joined with Jara. Hello. Hi. And we have two guests today. Uh, first up, Caitlin, would you like to give us a little heads up about, about yourself and your Star Trek fandom? Hi, this is Caitlin. I was actually just telling someone today that I've been watching Star Trek since, well, before I can really remember, but my my thing was, I think, really TNG franchise stuff, and I can remember falling asleep to TNG pretty much every day when <laughs> when I was a, a preteen and a teen, so pretty much anything TNG and beyond, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty well steeped in that. <laughs> That's cool. I can just picture your TNG lullaby dulcet tones of Picard just lulling you to sleep. Pretty nice stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And we also have Jane with us. Hello, Jane. Hi, my name is Jane. Jane Way kind of fits the whole like people. (laughs) It it brings it around, as you can probably tell. I'm a big Star Trek fan. I actually got a late start on Trek. I didn't start watching it until like maybe three years ago. Super sheltered Catholic childhood. Awesome. But <laughs> like, I have autism and Star Trek has became my like special interest. So I was just talking with everyone earlier about how I've watched TNG for this like through the entire series like twice in the last month. Gene, Gene Roddenberry's legacy of just like how he how he saw the best in us, even like the best in humanity, even like at our worst was really inspiring for that, that kind of hope. And, and of course, like sci-fi and all that stuff. It was just, um, it really appealed to me and I couldn't, I couldn't look away as soon as I got into it. Yeah. It kind of happened for me that way too. I am also a newer fan. Uh, Actually yesterday, my mom and I were out to dinner and she asked me like, does any of your sci-fi have like hope for the future? And I was like, mom, mom, <laughs> Star Trek, Star Trek has hope for the future. And I was like telling her all of the things like humanity has, has, has reached another place and we've, we've made it. We, we actually dealt with our crap and made a better humanity. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's the great dream of Star Trek. It really is. Yeah. So we actually have a topic today that I have been wanting to do, and Jared can attest, I've been wanting to do this topic for literally years. We're going to be talking about how sex work is portrayed on Star Trek. Spoiler, not always very great. Nope, not. (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm sorry if I'm shocking everyone or disappointing them, but um, sadly, uh, not not so great. Actually, when we reached out for comments, one of our the first Facebook comment we got within like five seconds was like one of the questions that we asked were were there any episodes where you thought this topic was handled well or portrayed sensitively? And his response was just. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, you've got a seasoned hooker on the show to kind of give you, kind of give you a play-by-play. Spoiler alert! It's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna start out a little bit more generally, and then we'll start getting into some of the episodes. I think it might be helpful to kind of hit on some of the terminology we're going to be using. So does anyone feel comfortable talking about like what we would define as as sex work in general? Sex work is people working consensually in the sex work industry. Escorts, pro-doms, cam models, uh, strippers, and everything in between. We do either like direct or indirect sexual labor and emotional labor. Um, in exchange for money. It's not to be confused with sex trafficking, which is like unconsensual and abusive and not at all the same as sex work. And a lot of people get that mixed up. Yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about the differences between trafficking and sex work when we're going through some of these episodes, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's def- That's definitely, especially in the original series, that's definitely like something that they don't do very well. Does anyone have anything they want to add to that? Jane, I think that's one of the one of the better definitions of sex work I've heard someone give incredibly succinct and very comprehensive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I mean, it can encompass a lot of things, but the biggest problem I see with how it gets portrayed in the media in general is this conflation of trafficking and sex work. So we'll talk about that more. I also think that there's just a lot of general kind of tropes and problematic portrayals that you see a lot and not just in Star Trek, but in general. Yeah. Yeah. The first one I was thinking of is the idea of the disposable sex worker, or sometimes you hear this called cringeworthily the dead hooker trope. Yeah. And that's just one of the more upsetting ones where you just have sex workers that are just killed off. It's very integral to our dehumanization. Like if you even look at, you look at movies, like um, what's that movie that just, uh, Oh, it's the, the, the bachelorette party one. Yeah. The bachelorette party one where it's just like, like our bodies are only acceptable and funny in this movie because we're dead. Mostly everyone consumes our labor, whether you're watching porn or the most common one is porn you're consuming our labor and then you're pointing fingers and you're so you're like Donald Trump who's freaking like, and the whole Stormy Daniels thing and Jessica Drake thing. And then he's, him and his red states are making pornography to like declare dangerous, but you're still consuming us and consuming our labor. It's the whole, like, I always think of it as they're pointing with one finger, but three fingers are pointing back at them. You're like, you consume our labor and condemn us in the same breath. Yeah. And one of the bigger problems that happens with this trope is that it's often used as humor. Yeah. It's, because our deaths are funny. Like, it's tragic when anyone else dies, but our deaths are funny because like, why? And I urge people to unpack that. Why are our deaths funny? Why is it okay when we die? Why are our lives, why do our lives not matter? Yeah. So we're actually going to have to talk about this trope when we talk further in, in the episodes, and that's unfortunate. 
Do you, do you guys have any examples in the the larger sci-fi universe of a good portrayal? Because I can't think of very many. Well, I know, and this is like, I'll admit I'm not familiar with this one super well because I never really got into it. I know Sumi, but Firefly, mm-hmm. I've been told is really good portrayal of sex workers. The thing I find with sci-fi and why there's like not a lot of representation of sex work is because a lot of the times it's non-sex workers creating their ideal perfect humanity or some form of that in people's minds and just in general sex work is a product of capitalism so when you get rid of all that stuff there's there's no need to represent us which is problematic in itself but you're looking at non-sex workers portraying their ideal society that's that's a society that does the least harm and they're viewing sex work as harmful so they're not representing us because in their ideal world we don't exist Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really interesting I would agree with that because one of the questions that I was thinking when we were thinking about this topic I was like in a post-scarcity like non-capitalist society how would sex work even even work like would there be payment how you know what I mean well it'd be more like therapy well the thing is is that sex work isn't just sex it's emotional labor it's companionship Mm -hmm. it's healing by Mm -hmm. touch it's healing by so like in an ideal society in my ideal society like we'd still like maybe cash isn't there maybe capitalism is dismantled fingers crossed knock on wood but maybe (laughs) maybe it isn't and sex workers get paid in social capital sex workers get paid and something being transactional doesn't mean that it's just money involved like there can be a like trade and barter of services i do it all the time so like somebody be like hey like i'll trade a session for this it doesn't have to have to be just money like I'll trade like a session. If you like fly me in your ship somewhere that I need to go, like the labor and the skills that come with sex work, like it's branding, it's marketing. It's like, you're basically a CEO of your own company. There's um, customer service. There's like, there's writing ad copy. There's all these skills that are transferable. Even if you're not, if you, even if you're not riding dick, you're still have all (laughs) skills that are really relevant regardless of whether it's the 21st century or the 24th century, like there's so many other skills that people fail to realize that sex workers have. And we'd absolutely, we'd absolutely exist in your ideal sci-fi society. People just don't like to think that because they like to think we're victims. Mm -hmm. They like to think that we're exploited and that in a world free of exploitation, we wouldn't exist, but that's not true. We're, we have always been here. We have been the pillars of many societies. And there's there's absolutely no freaking way that we don't exist in the 24th century and beyond. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in uh, the book Trekonomics by Manning Sadia, he talks about how it's um, it, it was like Star Trek as a post-scarcity society. So one thing is that basically everyone has access to the replicator so no one's going to go hungry or like run out of clothes mm-hmm. and as they state in star trek we work to better ourselves and society mm-hmm. so that's open to a lot of different paths and not all of it like not everyone ends up in starfleet and that's not a bad thing yeah absolutely like if you look at we're bettering society what's like i better i better society one person at a time by creating 
relationships and creating like I'm your confidant, I'm your lover, I'm your person to go to and I'm and I make my clients worlds better and I make my fans worlds better and there's like and that totally aligns with that quote. It's it's not just about the money. I just wanted to highlight something that you said actually when you know you were talking about the example from the what was that movie called the slumber party or the hangover uh, uh, it's a rough night thank you okay so and um, this was in the definition part too but just like to that need to realize that sex work includes people of all genders Mm -hmm. even uh, and like it's absolutely gendered but also the portrayal of it is really gendered too Mm -hmm. and so that's why like we're talking about it on this podcast. Um, and in Star Trek, we like, or some, one of our listeners asked, like, can you think of any examples of male sex workers in Star Trek? And uh, all of the examples were like, I would say, like, debatably didn't really count. It was like people who ended up being seduced or, you know, wouldn't really fall under our definition. So that's just like an interesting point in and of itself that the representation is so different. Yeah, the only one that I could think of off the top of my head that was just definitively, definitely a sex worker was actually from the last Discovery episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just really the the idea of a sex worker is almost always considered to be a woman, even though that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, which like I'm like I'm gender fluid, like I'm a trans person. There's so many trans sex worker doesn't just mean like cis woman. There's so many like my community is so diverse. It's again like non sex workers and their idea of sex work, and then that ends up usually getting portrayed in movies and media and etc. All right, so let's start getting into some of these specific episodes. First up is Wolf in the Fold from the original series, which is affectionately known as, not by us, as the Jack the Ripper episode. We actually did an episode completely on this this episode, so if you're interested in like a deeper dive in that, that's one of the first episodes we ever did, actually. Yeah, I think it's around episode five. Yeah, and it's also the uh, genesis of Sue's Science Corner, so a little mm. bit of women at warp history there. Yeah, so this is the the so-called Jack the Ripper episode. We have Scotty being taken basically for to be like cheered up. I guess you could call it or like I don't know, make him calmer. It's it's about him getting it's about him getting over his hatred of women. Yeah, let's make him not hate women. Let let's make sex workers make him not hate women anymore. Let's make them responsible for getting him getting him over his misogyny somehow. Yeah, like as if it's on sex workers to like fix shitty men. <laughs> like that's basically what this episode was. Yeah. I'm like, okay. It's like and that's and that came that came with the Louis C. K. stuff. And that came as it's so so many times all these deviant shitty men they come out and they're like and people are like, why didn't you just hire a hooker? You would have saved all us quote unquote normal people from having to do uh, this if you just like fired a sex worker. And I'm like, wow, thanks. It's not, on, it's not the onus on sex workers to like fix your hating women. If you, if Scotty hates women, he's going to hate women. It's not my, it's like, it's not our fucking problem. Yeah. And if you can't trust him to treat a woman coworker humanely, is it really like fair or ethical to basically 
yeah, send him on a date with a sex worker. It's not because you know, because you you're recognizing that he would treat a quote unquote like like a non sex worker crappy, so you put him with a sex worker specifically on that thing. Like it's just like uh <laughs> I love our like the not actually any words, just like wordless angry noises. Yeah, just like gesturing vaguely at things. It's not <laughs> it's just stop really you need people need to stop thinking that it's that it's sex workers' responsibility to be an outlet for shitty men who hate people. Like and who hate fem women and femmes. It's not my job to correct that. It's not my job to take that violence so you don't have to. Like it's not more acceptable for me to get put in danger because like you see it as like I'm supposed to be that outlet. That's so not yeah. cool. The other problem we have is that she, the the character, immediately gets murdered. Yeah. Like, yeah. right off the bat. <laughs> well, and then Scotty's standing there with a knife in his hand, and everyone's reaction is like, oh no, how do we prove Scotty's innocent? Yeah, what the frick is that crap? I, I just watched that episode earlier today, and I was just like, oh. Yeah, that was one of the episodes when I was starting to watch TOS, and I was like, what is this episode? I was so I was so disturbed by it. The whole episode, the priority they have is not to find justice for women that have been murdered. Their priority is to get Scotty off the hook for murders that they actually are a little bit nervous that maybe he did. Yeah. Like, they don't want to think he did it, but maybe he mm. did it. But, like, what's really important is that we get him away. They admit to putting him with the sex worker because he hates women, and then the sex worker gets murdered. They're like, oh, well, maybe he's innocent. <laughs> maybe he, like... Didn't <sighs> uh, yet there was a Jack the Ripper ghost alien. Yeah. So he actually turned out to be innocent. But the thing is, is they don't know that. That's the key thing is they don't know that. And they're still willing to prioritize his his freedom and his ability to like get away with it, essentially. There was no way to predict that there was going to be a random Jack the Ripper ghost alien. Like. <laughs> The one thing I did like, though, is that the the father of the one sex worker who got murdered was only angry about his daughter, who is a sex worker, getting murdered. He wasn't angry. He was actually very supportive of his daughter dancing in the club mm-hmm. that they were at, which I, that was the only redeemable part of that episode, is that the father wasn't mad that his daughter was in the industry, just that she got murdered and he wanted justice for her. That I appreciated. Well- it seems like this planet is like kind of like pre Risa in that it seems like that is the point of the planet. Not necessarily just sex work, but like pleasure is their highest ideal, which would obviously include sex. So I, I got the sense that they as a planet did not have an issue with it. And it was more that the Enterprise dudes were kind of bringing some of their their issues in with it yeah they kept talking about how like scotty has this huge resentment of women and we're going to use sex workers to cure him of this resentment of women and they keep talking um, amongst themselves about all this resentment he holds towards women and you know like five minutes later they find him in this alley um with a woman who's been stabbed 12 times this sex worker um who they sent him away with to like cure him of his resentment he's holding a knife she's dead of 12 stab wounds but we're going to make sure that scotty's innocent obviously and then they bring in another woman <laughs> to like help prove his innocence and they turn their backs 
and she's dead of like a million stab wounds. And Scotty again is holding a knife. But again, they're going to try and like, you know, make sure Scotty's fine. This man who's resentful of women. It also comes out of nowhere. So it's, it's super like, it's kind of like that the episode, The Outcast, where they did in TNG, where they suddenly decided Worf had huge problems with women. Yeah. Was super sexist. I was like, today Scotty's a misogynist. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Seems uh, weird, but okay. I detest you, lessies. Yeah. <laughs> There was a lot in the original series that like hinted at it all over the place. Yeah. What was shocking about this one was that they came right out and said it. Yeah. It made more sense for it to be there that it than for it to not be there at all. Yeah, that's like the thing with the original series. It doesn't just jump out of you out of nowhere. Like it didn't age well. The undertones of like misogyny and horophobia are just like blatant throughout the even the one episode in TOS with the with the android where they're like where she's basically her creator's sex slave and she's like Captain Kirk slap Captain Kirk no emotions and like all of this stuff where it's just like it's not it's not out of nowhere for this episode it's like very prevalent like there are so many things that were ahead of its time with TOS but but it's treatment of women and femmes were not one of them and they were like laughing about it they I mean in the club they were just laughing like oh ha 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 he's resentful towards women ha 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 funny I think what bothered me like actually what bothered me about this episode was that was that they tried to blame this on his head injury as if it wasn't part of like an ongoing pattern of of misogyny they're like oh the only reason like he doesn't like women is because he got hit in the head (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know that was a thing (laughs) let's hope it's not wait can we just like hit a whole bunch of people in the head and reverse it i don't know do we try do we sorry is that my job should i be hitting people in the head for all of you quote-unquote regular people so let's talk about muds women though because so muds women in case people do not remember is the one where mud our favorite character that's sarcasm shows up on the enterprise with three women that he's going to basically sell to minors mm-hmm. the the type that excavate rock not the type that are underage for anyone listening if they need that clarification so basically they're gonna get sold to a bunch of dudes on a mining planet that don't know how to wash their pots yeah. yes so, thoughts about this episode? Yeah, we did an episode on Mud and looked more into the background of this character. And in the descriptions, he was basically described as a, quote, space pimp. And in Captain's Logs, the Unauthorized Complete Trek Voyages, for Mark Daniels, who was one of the regular directors on the series, he, he said that this episode was designed to talk about, quote, basically prostitution at large which was in the papers every day. We were not promoting it or coming out against it. All we are saying is that it happens here and it happens in outer space and the censors let it go. But that's the thing is that specifically this episode, this isn't sex work. This isn't prostitution. This is sex trafficking. Thank you. Yeah. So it's not, it's like, it's not even relevant. Like prostitution being prevalent is doesn't, that makes no sense. He's trafficking yeah. girls <laughs> And, like, he wants to say he's not 
promoting or bashing it, but you're really doing, you're really doing sex work a disservice. You're doing prostitution a disservice by conflating it with human trafficking. And it's just, oh no. Mm -mm. Yeah. The pushback that you hear is that they wanted it, that they wanted to go and get their husbands or whatever. It doesn't matter if they like eventually were okay with it. It's like, there's still that power dynamic where they couldn't leave if they wanted to. If they yeah. just, it's like maybe they're lucky that they wanted that life. This still doesn't make a prostitution because that power dynamic still exists where he has power over them and he's going to sell them. And the fact that, like, if they didn't want to go down that path, they had no choice but to. It doesn't matter if they, like, oh, like, miraculously, my choices align with the oppression that I'm experiencing. It's still the fact that it exists because you can't, if you wanted to make other choices you couldn't you don't have that freedom yeah and it's not like kirk is offering them really other choices which is another fucking thing hey dude hello maybe help the traffic girls get away that's mm-hmm. a nice thing to do although don't even get me started on kirk and his freaking kirk is mm-hmm. just like not consent he's not good at that <laughs> yeah we did talk about this episode a little bit more so y'all can check it out if you want us to make fun of the of the drugs that make them beautiful because that's also hilarious <laughs> otherwise we can start talking about star trek 5 which is the infamous three-breasted catwoman stripper dancer person and uh kirk murders her or maybe murders her we don't know. It's not even important enough to make it clear. I wouldn't. Honestly, are you shocked? Would you be shocked? Either like, would you be? Sh- I'd be shocked if you didn't. Yeah, I mean, the, but the thing that makes it so annoying though is like it's not clear. But the fact that they didn't even bother to make it clear, like they didn't care enough to make it to make it explicit whether or not she survived, that is something gross all on its own. It's just the fact that, like, it, it's once again representing that, like, our lives really don't matter. Like, who cares? Like, we serve a plot device and then it, and then we, and then outside of that, we just don't matter. And that's like a very common way that sex workers are represented in media it's not just star trek it's everything it's like we exist to serve a serve your point and then like our ultimate ultimately our humanity and our lives don't matter you know and that also spills over into the real world when you have the police investigating deaths of sex workers and in many cases really not taking it seriously or disappearances um the case in um, Vancouver where I'm from, from of the uh, missing and murdered women in the downtown east side is a really classic example where the police for years and years and years denied what people on the ground were saying that there was a serial killer loose because they're like, oh, they're a sex worker. They probably just like left. They probably just ran away and didn't tell anyone. And it was pretty awful. And of course, intersected in that case with uh, race quite strongly um, but like these portrayals matter. And when you treat sex workers as disposable in media, it does not help the situation of them being treated as disposable in real life. Uh, exactly. And that's the same, the same with missing, missing folk from the gay village in Toronto, MacArthur, mm. Cod, who yeah. was facing a sex murder. The police are, and like with Alora Wells, like we, like Maggie's in Toronto and the, mm-hmm. my, the sex work community were out looking for her. We were looking for her and the police refused to look for her because 
Mm-hmm. She might have just run away. It turns out the bo- her body was in the morgue all these months. Mm-hmm. They just didn't give a shit to identify her. And that's just, it just speaks to these media representations of how sex workers are disposable relate right back into like how the public and how the police treat us. Like they just didn't bother to identify her body. This is what happens when you don't give a shit about sex workers. So when, if moving on to TNG, we do have the episode The Perfect Mate, which is kind of a, an interesting episode in that I'm not sure how you would define her role. I mean, I think you could make a case for her being trafficked. I think you could make a case for her for having um, more agency, but I've, it's it's not clear cut, I don't think. So The Perfect Mate, for people who do not remember, is the one where Picard has Famke Janssen, because she's my fave girl. She's so beautiful. She comes and is going to be like a diplomatic gift. And she is supposed to be the perfect woman, and she's going to imprint on her husband and be the perfect mate. And Picard actually kind of falls in love with her. They have a, a romance, and she ends up imprinting on Picard instead. And this felt more like forced marriage to me. Yeah. And instead of... Instead of sex work, although like the trafficking bit, I can see that playing in. But this definitely felt like I know I know Picard in it talks about like, oh, arranged marriage. I'm like, arranged marriage. Fuck, you know, this is forced marriage because <laughs> <laughs> there was no way for her to say no um, at all. There was no way. But that's the thing about bringing back to like my earlier point about sex work, not just being about money. Um, like if you look back in history, like, like companionship and sex have always been in one form or another transactional. So like, yeah, Mm -hmm. forced marriage and trafficking, those aren't the same as sex work. But when you look at trading companionship for diplomatic relations, for property, like just like Google what a dowry is, like these are Uh things that have existed. If it had been a consensual like imprint, these are things that overlap into like broadening people's perspective on like what, like the value of sex and companionship outside of the like monetary value. There's so many other like applications for like the skill set that we have, but again, not conflating them with like unconsensual like trafficking or like arranged marriage or like forcing people into situations like that. It was definitely like, again, this episode is just like, dehumanizing like victims and sex workers just more because like we just exist as like a tool to plot we're a plot device mm-hmm. one thing that's interesting is the the fact that picard and kamala have so much chemistry that it makes it kind of confusing because they have they have like such an intense like connection the thing that really disturbed me about this episode forgetting everything else is that she was like groomed since she was a child that to me is like the line I cannot get past. So like a lot of this episode is very much team crusher versus team Picard. Like they see it very differently and they have this conflict over what exactly is this and is it moral? Mm -hmm. The part that I can't get over is that she was groomed since she was a child. And does she really have the, the ability to consent and the agency to consent when she was like brought up 
to do this. No, and that's the thing with also, like, when you look at when a trauma happens, like, when something unconsensual happens, it stunts our emotional growth. Like, can you really, like, grow, like grow and flourish and develop yourself as an adult if you've been groomed into abuse? And, like, it's just, again, like, she's just a tool. She's just a tool to them. And it doesn't matter if, like, you make the best of a bad situation, but it's still a bad situation, right? Like, it's still not good. I just found, like, there was one line from, from Riker in this episode that, like, just made my stomach turn. I don't know if you guys remember it, but it he said something about it being a policy of his or like a rule of his to like to never open another man's gift. Oh, oh yeah. In yeah. response to Kamala. And I was like, oh my God. That's like a theme with Riker. That's not just like a like a specific to that episode. He is a very much and like that's even even in Enterprise, Tucker. So like even when uh the doctor's like, Oh yeah, you should totally fuck my wife and he's like, No, I don't fuck other dudes' wives. Even though they're like a totally poly species. I'm like very mm-hmm. fine with that. That's just like a prevalent theme throughout all of the ladies man type characters in track through all the series is that they don't fuck with another man's woman. And it's just very, it's just a very fucked up. It's like a property thing. Like you are someone's property. Yeah. And that's just, and I find that interesting that it's like Kirk, Riker and Trip. Yep. Paris too with Cass. Yeah. They're all ladies mans, but, and, but they all have this like fucked up view of like women as property. I do want to talk about Riza. Because I think Riza is interesting. So basically, Riza is this climate-controlled, like resort island paradise where, like, the entire culture, the entire like native species, is revolved around pleasing visitors and giving them a good time. Um, so it's basically a brothel of a planet. Yeah, <laughs> and. I love that there. Uh, there's the very efficient statue. Yeah, Burja Maharon. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's always been something that, and it's such a cheesy looking statue, and <laughs> it just makes me laugh. I know. I just I love that episode where Riker doesn't tell Picard what it means, and he's like, "Pick me one up from the gift shop." <laughs> the episode with the Ferengi and the disc, and I can't remember the name of it, but he's like, just I love that, just like look, and he's like that Picard gives when he finally realized what Riker did to him. And he's like, ah. <laughs> That's something that might be not a good thing to do to your boss. Just saying. No, it's bad consent. It's a, just another display of like the ladies' man's characters through the track universe that just have terrible consent. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like displaying a statue is is like a pretty ambiguous way to give consent. Like, what are you giving consent to? How do you revoke consent? Do you have to hide the statue in mid-act? <laughs> but even but even not telling Picard what the statue meant, just like yes, yeah. consent. And then it's opening Picard up to sexual harassment. Like Picard's yeah. getting harassed by all these women and they're not on the same page because they haven't communicated consent properly. And yeah. Riker just thinks it's a joke. And it's like one of those things where like, like how could men possibly get sexually harassed? And Riker thinks it's a joke for Picard to get harassed, like that double standard, right? Where it's funny for him to not let Picard consent and have him be sexually harassed by all these women when all he wants to do is just read and chill out. 
Uh, we actually had a comment from one of our listeners, Oren, that said that I think the Rysians are the closest I can think of to a positive portrayal of sex work. They aren't being trafficked or forced into it. Yeah, I've been I've been in sex work longer than I've been a Trek fan. So when I got introduced to Ryza, it was very much like, I'm like, okay, this is totally a brothel. And like, for some workers, brothels work and agencies work. And like, and some people can't afford or to not be a part of a brothel because they deliver clientele. They can give you, if you don't have a reputation in sex work, they can give you the, like, a head start on, like, having from a client standpoint reliability, things like that. Like, brothels and agencies work for some people. But at the same time, that they can be super problematic in the fact that, like, if you... I wish they had explored, like... Like like a like a uh, like a rising native like not wanting mm-hmm. to be in that world and like would they be yeah. granted would they be granted asylum on Enterprise like would they how would they navigate that because I think that would be the true teller of kind of like because it's it's a very ambiguous representation of a brothel and I would like I would have liked to see more development in that in like in that area as far as like just like the little sex worker and me like please yeah like if even if you had seen Rysians as part of normal uh, Starfleet crews yeah. and then like maybe some of the other aliens working on Ryza in the capacity we see Rysians instead of like because I mean you can't even know you know what the societal pressure would exactly. be and you know to what degree people would be able to uh, not consent to participate. Exactly. I would have liked to see, like, like maybe a Ferengi woman or maybe, like, a Trill because, they, like, in Deep Space Nine, the Trill are very, like, they explore the sexuality and, like, mating habits of, like, of the Trill. Like, other alien species choosing to be on Ryza because that's, like, the way they'd want to live and see, and like you said, see other Ryzans, like doing something else with their lives too but they kind of just like it's very like a one-dimensional view of this like this like this potential to great like to great character development they just kind of make them one-dimensional yeah i'm um so andy you haven't seen the episode yet have you in ds9 where they all go to ryza and Worf hooks up with the fun police oh no i haven't (laughs) Okay, so close your ears for a second. Okay. Um, I kind of enjoy some aspects of that episode, even though it's a pretty terrible episode overall. But um, having Vanessa Williams as Arandis, who's Jedzia's lover from having been Curzon's lover, I like the um, sort of uh, fluid sexuality that that shows. And we also get to see the people who work at the resort are skilled in multiple ways because you get to see, like, they do pottery class and they have massages and things and they have really good food. So you can kind of, I guess, extrapolate, like, rounded society where people might be able to perform different roles. And speaking of DS9, one thing I I think is important that we should probably discuss uh, is the Dabo girls. Oh, yeah. Mm Definitely. And Quark in general and the way he treats them. Quark is definitely, like, he's the epitome of, like, I would spit on his grave. (laughs) (laughs) I remember an episode where we find out that he actually wrote sex into this woman's contract and she she didn't want it there. Yep. Yep. And he tried to, like, force her into it. And they were doing this cold open. I was like, Cisco. 
put this dude in jail. I do not understand. This dude belongs in jail. I know. <laughs> it's just, it's again, like giving the, like, like we saw with Scotty, giving the benefit of the doubt to these people. Right. Don't treat sex workers right just because they're more important to the plot than we are. There's also the episode, well, it's more, I think it's more than one episode, although she doesn't stick around very long. But Jake, at one point, dates a double girl. Yeah. Which I actually think ended up being pretty sweet. Yeah, I liked that. It gave us, it gave sex workers kind of like, it gave us more dimensions. Like, a lot of the times, sex workers are viewed as like, we can't be in relationships. Or if like, we're dating somebody, then we should quit the job. And stuff like that. But it gives it like, Jake has a girlfriend and she keeps her job. And it's like, the balance between that. And I thought that was pretty chill. Yeah, we had a we had a comment from uh, Lydia who said that she always liked that Cisco's perceptions of Jake's girlfriend Marta shifted when he stopped for a moment and got to know her. She's revealed to be a bright, intelligent, and talented student of Keiko's with ambitions of being an entomologist. Um, so, like overall, I think that's a, a pretty good example. Although there, with the Dabo girls, it's it's not like. They definitely are like sex worker adjacent, but I, it's probably entirely possible that she didn't engage in that aspect. Well, the thing is, is that like with the Dabo girls, like she wasn't like maybe engaging with sex for money, but she was still like um, using her sexuality on the job. That's true. So that's like, that's an important thing to note, but it's also looking at Cisco and his his judgments that are influenced by stigma on sex work that he like not all sex workers are are educated not all sex workers like want to do like quote-unquote something more with their lives and that's still as valid and the fact that cisco only changed his opinion about jake's girlfriend just because she was intelligent and had all these aspirations outside of being a dabo girl is really fucked up in itself um, because like, it's okay for a sex worker to like, just be doing it for survival. It's okay for a sex worker to just want to be a sex worker. And like, j- like our, like, like the ability, like loving us shouldn't be conditional on being like acceptable to acceptable outside of our work. Sex work shouldn't have to be a stepping stone to something else. I would say that Lita is actually uh, a fairly, I think, okay example of that, where um, she actually resists um, people who pressure her to quit her job because she values the independence and the income that she gets from it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, that's great sex work representation. That's fantastic. It's like, I can, I see that in my own life. Like, sex work has given me like I'm like I'm disabled physically and mentally and sex work gives me the opportunity to take care of myself and take care of my loved ones and like I wouldn't do something that's like detrimental to my health like like I wouldn't like go work a nine-to-five just because it's more acceptable to people I don't like and there's a lot of stigma that tells sex workers that we need to do more to be acceptable and that what we're doing isn't enough and it's great to show a character that's just like, nah, fuck you, man. Like, I'm chill. I'm doing what I like that benefits me in this way. I'm doing sex work because it because it benefits me. I'm not going to let you, like, I'm not going to let your morality talk me out of it. I think I would agree with everything that, like, even if you're not engaging in direct sexual contact, you're providing companionship and you're, like, using your sexuality, like, in providing companionship, that, that's sex work. 
even if it's not like direct sexual contact or sexual intercourse or anything like that. But Quark, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing it in at least a couple of different episodes. Also ran hollow suites, didn't he? That like yeah. offered like sexual services. Yeah, but that's where, but Quark was like taking, taking like hollow profiles of people without their consent. Right. Mm-hmm. Now unconsensual sexual experiences in the holodex to the highest bidder. Yeah. Put that dude in jail. A lot of our listeners actually brought this up as a question of whether it's sex work if holograms are doing it. And um, particularly just jumping ahead to Voyager for a second, when you get to the, the like very strong argument that holograms if not sentient, should have their sentience fostered, then it, does that mean that you're interacting with an object or are you interacting with a being? And do you have thoughts on that? I Well, I had a question just about, do you guys remember the episode in TNG with the binars, the 11010101 episode and Minuet, who is actually yeah. a self-aware program? Because she seemed very escort-like in that mm-hmm. episode. And as a self-aware hologram who is very much escort-like, I would consider her on the sex work spectrum. And so if we're going to be talking about, you know, holograms and sex work, I would definitely throw her into that, like, category when we get to the Voyager's hologram. Whenever you get into the holosuite or hologram stuff, it's always it always gets super gray and murky because it's like, some of the hologram, like the doctor, is, I would say, a person, a sentient person. But, like, where is that line? And it, it can get interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't particularly have a problem with it when they're not stealing people's profiles. And we've talked about this in some other of our past episodes. Um, like, stealing the profiles of real individuals without their consent. It's like using the holograms as catalysts for for a lot of sexual deviancy. Although, although the like um, one of the things I really appreciate about Janeway, my namesake, are her ethics and her morals throughout the Voyager series of knowing that they're probably going to be stuck for generations on this on the ship they never know if they're going to get home but still respecting the power dynamic that she has over the crew so using like the holodeck and hol- like and holograms to be a sexual multifaceted woman without creating relationships that would potentially be unethical with her being the highest ranking officer on the ship, like the ramifications of having a sexual or romantic relationship with somebody under her command mm-hmm. with that in mind, most, especially in deep space nine, um, I think it's definitely exploitational because we're using holograms and unconsensual, like unconsensual, like hollow profiles of people as a catalyst for like like sexual deviancy, which very much relates to how people view sex workers and how we're supposed to be there to deal with all the crap that's deemed too too crappy, too too shitty for regular quote unquote regular people to deal with. So the the holograms have to deal with 
all of that murky, gross stuff, which is like, it's definitely a reflection of how people view sex workers. I think one of the most significant episodes and one of the ones that generated a lot of feedback on our uh, page is the DS9 episode, Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night. And Andy hasn't seen it yet. So she's just going to cover her ears while we talk about it. But this is the one where uh, Kira goes back in time and we learned that her mother didn't actually die in the occupation, but was yeah. actually a comfort woman for Gal Dukat. Yes. Thoughts on this episode? Okay. <laughs> centering, centering my horror powers for this, for this one. Yeah. So that's fucked up. So that's a really fucked up episode. So you're basically looking at the Cardassians who are fascist dictators who take over this planet and then as soon as they have control they take women of the species that they've enslaved and are taking them out of like 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 impoverished war torn communities that the Cardassians themselves have made these conditions for these people and say that they'll maybe treat them like human beings if they sexually sexually and romantically satisfy the people who've enslaved them. Mm-hmm. Like, how fucked up is that? Yeah, and I mean, it, of course, it draws from real-world historical examples of, of wartime, and it's pretty awful. We uh, we had a comment from Ellie who said, well, I think Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night is definitely a portrayal of trafficking, as I feel the quote-unquote choices that Kira's mother is forced to make are as a result of coercion rather than for her own free will. I think there is a good moment where a background character essentially explains how abuse works to Kira. He points out that Ducat's technique is to appear kind and charming to the women he wants to abuse so they feel grateful towards him and are therefore more likely to do what he wants. This moment really stuck with me, the fact that abusers are so successful because they don't outwardly appear to be monsters. Uh-huh. Yep, I 100% agree with that. Oh, Gal Dukat's so squicky. We should throw him in jail, too. <laughs> I think that what, um, yeah, I mean, because he, like, he heals this scar that she has on her face that she's always been self-conscious of, and he is providing for her family back on Bajor. He's grooming her. He's grooming It's fucked up. Yeah, and I guess where what I think is quite controversial is this at the end, basically Kira sort of decides, well, my mother chose it. Like this made my mother a collaborator and she can't a hundred percent forgive her, even though she saves her life. And you know, Nana Visitor said that actually the writers originally had Kira feeling much more sympathetic, but at the time it was hard to deal with the fact that she hadn't killed her. In the end, it's her mother, and Kira believed that the prophets were guiding her, so I imagine she believes not killing her mother was just in response to the prophets telling her it was wrong. So, like, Kira still believes that her mother had a choice. Mm-hmm. No, her, her mother didn't. Her mother didn't have a choice. It's, like, straight, like, and the fact that I think Kira is a very black and white character when it comes, I think she, I think she grows a little bit throughout the series. She can't see the multifaceted. She can't see the gray area. She's very much just like one or the other. And it's fucked up. But everyone has like, when it comes to like our parents and our family and ourselves, like, it's sometimes hard to, especially, especially with parents, especially with parents, it's hard to see 
to see them as as like because we grow up thinking that they're perfect and then our like adolescence is realizing that our parents are people too it's hard for her having these like like these thoughts of her mother and then finding out otherwise but it's like but when you look at it objectively like it's she her mother was a victim mm-hmm. and she can't see that and it's really sad and upsetting especially to me as a viewer it's just like and it even like even in the voyager episode where seven of nine is assaulted mm-hmm. it's just like star trek doesn't have like the greatest track record of believing victims yeah Absolutely. And I mean, this is clearly, I mean, the comfort women um, historically and in this episode are clearly not sex workers. Yeah, they're traffic, they're victims. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah, it's a tough episode. And uh, interesting. I I still don't know, you know, whether I would like concretely say it's 100% good or bad. Um, I think that there's some parts about it that are like that illuminate some of the nature of uh, abuse. But it's it's definitely uh, difficult to see Kira kind of condemning her mother like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just wanted to make one point on Enterprise, which I think it really exemplifies this problem that Star Trek has in portraying any type of non-romantic sexual activity is that you are either a villain or a victim. And um, we see this in Enterprise in Bound when they decide that they're going to re-explain how Orions work and that the Orion slave girls actually were never slaves all along. But in fact, instead of being agents who have a say in their destiny, they are villains who are out to manipulate and kill men. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and there's also the episode um Rajin about the girl who is being sold at the slave market that ends up falling archer and it seems like she is like a very young sex slave but again also tries to take over the ship cuz she's working for the Zindi. We can't win. We really can't win. <laughs> we can't win. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just like frustrating. That's what, what is left out of this debate is really like the, the work of sex work yeah. and yeah. the right to be respected as a worker in a workplace and yeah. to be, you know, to negotiate the conditions of your work, etc. It's just like always you're either a villain or a victim that's a problem for the crew or you're a villain that's out to get the crew. Yeah. Like whatever happened, like I'm, I'm just going to march on a ship and be like, yo, who wants some titty? And like maybe I won't go over the ship. Like it's gonna be great. That's that's my ideal world. It would probably work on Enterprise. And I did it off my own free will. Shocker. It would totally work on Enterprise. It probably wouldn't work on Picard. He's too stoic. I Picard. Okay, but Picard's my like dream. I have a thing for like. <laughs> I have a thing for Picard type men, like my ex. Hi, if you're listening. Hi, I like my ex is just like stoic logical like it's it's my thing i would like i'd fall hard for picard to be like picard touch my titty for free please <laughs> i also have a thing for men with accents so it's just if i was on enterprise i would totally go with i would totally go for picard hopefully i cards down because you know consent <laughs> <laughs> Is actually from Star Trek Discovery. 
So if you have not seen Discovery, uh, you're going to want to check out. We have some pretty big spoilers. But essentially, we had an episode in which the Mirror Emperor, who is a woman, during one of their, their, fi- like their final mission, actually takes the time to pick up both a man and a woman sex worker. It looked like they were Orion and uh, had a threesome with them. I don't actually have a huge problem with this. Like, it seemed pretty straightforward. Like, she wanted sex and she bought some. That's fine with me. My bigger problem is actually how they portrayed her her queerness, I guess. Well, and the fact that being a mirror universe leader and that it is equated, you know, mirror equals evil and then mm-hmm. mirror equals bisexuality. Yep, exactly. Or mirror equals sex work. So, yeah, that's not exceptionally great. It's less a problem with what she did and more of a problem in the context of how they portray her morality because of it. So, yeah. So that is the the latest episode in this long list of episodes in which they portrayed sex work and we kind of side-eye it. Congrats, Star Trek. You're, you're, like, they said Discovery wasn't real Star Trek. I proved that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> All right. So, is there anything anybody wants to add just in general about any of the shows? Anything you forgot that you just want to make sure we get out there before we wrap up? Give your money to sex workers. <laughs> so. Wow, we covered a lot, I think. Thank you very much, both of you, for coming. This was this was an episode I was really excited to do, and I'm really happy with how much we were able to discuss. So thank you both yeah. for coming. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Definitely thanks. This has been great. So, Caitlin, if people want to reach out to you outside on the internet, where's the best place to find you? Definitely on the Twitters. Uh, the Twitters. On the Twitters. Yeah. Um, at Orchid underscore Gray with an E, because I've got to be weird like that. <laughs> um, and I will send you the link to HIPS, which would be a good place for people to send money to help sex workers in the DC area. Sounds perfect. And Jane, where, where's the best place to, to get a hold of you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's at JanewayXYZ. You can go to my website and book me at JaneWay.xyz. I'm releasing a movie, my first feature showcase film, Filthy Fucking Luxury, and you can find updates to that on my website as well. All right, great. And Jara, where's the best place to find you? You can find me on Twitter at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin. And I'm Andy. You can find me on Twitter at First Time Trek, where I live tweet through my first time through Star Trek. And if you want to reach out to our show in general, you can email us at crew at women at warp. You can check us out at Twitter at women at warp. You can check us out on Facebook, women at warp. Oh, we're now also on Instagram. Guess what we're at, women at warp. <laughs> oh, no, I would never have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful day, guys. 